Welcome to the podcast Meet Sandvik Employee Stories. This is a podcast where you get to, get to meet some of the many talented employees at Sandvik. My name is Martin Blomgren, I'm the Press Relations Manager at Sandvik. And in this episode, you will meet someone whose products literally save and change lives. Uh, I'm very glad to have you here. Welcome to the podcast, Gary Davids, Head of Business Unit Medical that is running within our business area, Materials Technology. Hi, Martin. It's very nice to speak to you today, and thank you so much for inviting me to the Meet Sandvik podcast. My pleasure. Uh, Gary, I have actually forced you to leave bed really early this morning to record the podcast since we are on a different side of the Atlantic. Uh, tell me, where are you at the moment? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have not forced me uh, because even though it's quite <laughs> early here, it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm always very, very happy to talk about the great work ongoing with MVU Medical. Uh, this morning, I'm taking the discussion from my, my home here in Palm Coast, Florida, which is about six kilometers from the production facility, where we make these great ultrafine wires and medical components. And for those listening that might not be familiar with the region, Palm Coast is a small city on the east coast of Florida, about a 90-minute drive from Orlando, or about four hours due north of Miami. All right. And uh, Palm Coast, is that where you were born and raised, or how did you end up there? Yeah, no, actually, um, I was born in the state of Rhode Island, which is located in the northeast part of the U.S., and it's uh, nestled between New York City and Boston. For mm -hmm. most people, they know those locations. And, you know, native Rhode Islanders will tell you that they probably live in the smallest state in the Union, uh, but really the piece of state heritage that I keep with me today is the state motto, and that's hope. And it, it was really with hope on my side that I moved to Palm Coast just over 18 years ago in 2002. And really I did it because I, I simply love the climate and community and just thought it would be a great place to live and raise my two children, Ian and Ashley, who were still home at the time. And uh, actually I first discovered Palm Coast when my oldest daughter, Elizabeth, uh, was attending Flagler College up in St. Augustine, uh, and that St. Flagler College is located about 45 kilometers north of Palm Coast. So, so tell me, how, how did the journey to the position you have today look? Where, where did you study, and when did you start at Sandvik, uh, and why? Yeah, sure. Actually, um, when I was growing up, and, and really even still today, I've had a deep interest in chemistry, math, and just a curiosity about how things work. And for me, chemical engineering seemed to be a natural fit. So that's why I decided to major at, uh, at the University of Rhode Island. And during that time period, I was fortunate to have some really great mentors um, at the college. And really they focused me in on the field of material science and materials engineering, which I found a real love and passion for. And actually, the, the guidance and the encouragement that they gave me uh, helped lead me to some advanced degrees in both uh, chemical engineering and material science, at, both at the University of Rhode Island and University of Pennsylvania. So uh, after I finished college I, and prior to joining Sandvik, I actually held a couple of other interesting jobs, at least in my opinion. Um, I worked at a, an advanced torpedo research facility at a U.S. Navy base mm -hmm. in Rhode Island, working on different materials-related problems. Uh, and I probably would still be there today, actually. 
uh, if it wasn't for the fact that, again, I have a, a real passion for manufacturing. And so I, I left that job at the Navy base and I joined a, a specialty strip uh, metal manufacturer also in Rhode Island. And really, I think that that set my course along uh, to join Sanvik in the future. It's, uh, it was a very high technology job. And, and I thought actually with that background, I'd be a perfect fit um, for Sanvik when I, I finally did arrive in Florida. Uh, actually, when I moved to Florida, as I mentioned earlier, it was for personal reasons. Uh, but the process engineering position uh, became available and uh, took me a few months of, of uh, time to, and persistence to pursue that opportunity and actually um, finally get a job at Sanvik. But I'm happy to say that I was given a great opportunity um, with this company, and I, I've never really looked back. And uh, so while I've been at Sanvik over the last 18 years, I've had several different roles, including quality R&D, engineering, and uh, leading the production departments. And really, as I became more involved with running different operations, I realized that uh, it was a good idea to round out my education from a business perspective. So I did, mm -hmm. uh, later in my career, attend the University of Central Florida and finish my MBA program. And really the, the kind of neat thing about participating in that program later in my career was that I could apply a lot of the principles that I was learning um, in my daily work. And so when the opportunity arose to, to lead the full production unit here in Palm Coast, I felt like I was in a good position to support the business. Fantastic. And, and so you moved to Florida for, for the sun and, and other personal reasons, but did you know anything about Sandvik when you arrived in Palm Coast? Yeah, actually, um, I did know Sandvik. And it was, uh, I mentioned I worked for a, a specialty strip metal company and mm -hmm. one of the products that we made at that company utilized some milling tools or cutters and uh was it was kind of funny um sandvik tools were actually being used um as a prototype because they had been using a competitor's tooling and and the sandvik tools outperformed that competitor and we eventually did end up of converting yeah, of course, to all uh, Sanvik tooling. And um, so it really, you know, we talk a lot about setting the industry standard. Well, you know, I saw that firsthand mm. working for this other company in Rhode Island. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned about Florida and, um, you know, really you don't think about manufacturing in Florida so much. I think people think about warm weather and white sand beaches and, you know, probably Disney World. But, um, you know, we yeah. do have... NASA down the road, so we do have some high-tech space industries here, and um, you know there are some other manufacturing facilities. But I, you know, it's probably not the, you know, the leading part of manufacturing in the U.S. That's for sure. But but let's talk a bit more about the fantastic things that you produce at the at the site, uh, because it's products products that actually can improve and change people's lives for real. Uh, and I, I know that it's wires that are super thin, but but please tell tell me a bit more. What's so special about them, and and how are they used? Oh sure, and you know it's interesting when people first ask me about the products that we that we manufacture. I really like to start by saying, uh, let's keep it simple, um, because the the products that we make are really involved with the three S's, and the three S's are stimulate, sensing, and signal transmission. 
So, for instance, um, when we think about stimulation, we're talk talking about stimulating different parts of the body, and it could be uh, stimulating the heart with a pacemaker lead. It could be stimulating the nervous system with a uh, device like a deep brain stimulator. Uh, mm. And so that, that's one major area. On the sensing side, the, it could be temperature, it could be pressure, it could be some sort of chemical sensing. And uh, for instance, uh, when, we, when we think about continuous glucose monitors, those are in fact uh, chemical sensors. And uh, the wires that we make are actually that part of the device that, that's sensing um, blood sugar levels inside the body and allowing people that have, have diabetes to correct that situation with either insulin or, or correcting their diet. And then signal transmission. Um, a lot of the, the products that our wires go into are sending signals inside and, or outside the body. For example, uh, there's a real novel device uh, that we're involved with today where doctors can remotely monitor people that have heart failure conditions. And they're able to, again, people can live at home, you know, their normal life, and a doctor can monitor them continuously. And if for some reason a doctor sees some sort of degradation in their condition, they can call them in and, and make sure they take care of that before it becomes more critical. So... Um, but really, it's the you mentioned the thinness of the wire, and it's the, really the ultra-fine nature of these wires that's the key uh, attribute, if you will, to making a minimally invasive device. And as, as you might imagine, <clears throat> before these devices were available, a lot of the surgical procedures required cutting through tissue and muscle and um, a lot of parts of the body that just took a lot of time to recover from. Lots of time in the hospital, and then after the surgery was completed, a lot of recovery time. And so these, these minimally, device, uh, minimally invasive devices that, that we're involved with today are actually, um, in many cases, outpatient surgery type devices to perform the same kind of uh, therapy. And uh, one thing that you know, kind of drives this to home, if you will, is there's a, a device on the market now that helps train or uh, helps uh, correct brain aneurysm problems. And the old therapy was if you had a brain aneurysm, a uh, surgeon would come in and, and basically have to cut through your skull um, to get to the, uh -huh. the, the problematic spot. And then um, you can imagine in that type of surgery, it's almost as bad as uh, the, the aneurysm itself, where today uh, there's a device that, again, use this high, uses this high-precision Sandvik stainless steel and some of the precision coatings that we make here to access that part of the brain through the carotid artery in your neck. So it's a, it's a very small incision. Um, the, uh, the, the device actually gets to the location where the aneurysm is through the, the cardiovascular system and, and can correct... That, that weakening of the blood vessel that, that is the aneurysm by inserting uh, very fine platinum coils into that space. So uh, to me, it's a remarkable device. Yeah, super exciting. And, and as I said, it's, it's really making people live, uh, live their ordinary lives in a way that they couldn't do without the products and the solutions. And 
Uh, and Gary, I know that we have uh, some films where you get to meet persons that actually have disabilities, where they have been helped with uh, with products from from your uh, facility. Uh, and, and disabilities like diabetes and hearing loss and Parkinson's disease and, 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 and more. So, so do you have any reflections around that work to actually be able to see the persons and the person's reactions that has, uh, whose lives actually has changed uh, thanks to the super thin metal wire? Oh, yes. The, you know, the films are, that are coming out are just really incredible. And I, I'm so looking forward to, to sharing that, you know, basically with... The rest of the Sandvik community and, and hopefully different parts, you know, other people outside the company. And um, the reason that they're, they're so impactful for me is, you know, I, I know a lot about, you know, the wire requirements that go into these devices and, you know, the technical requirements of the device itself. But, but these stories really bring it home for me in terms of how it really impacts not only the, the people that have these devices, but all the people involved in their life. And, and so you get to learn a little bit about, um, you know, who these people are, um, how they've, you know, grown up and how they lived their lives uh, prior to having some, something that affected their life, you know, some kind of disease that, that um, made a change in their life uh, to the time where they're able to get one of these devices and, you know, it, it really helps return them back to a, a more normal, you know, living condition. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's overwhelming, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it, it can almost bring tears to your eyes at times when you're, when you're just listening to these stories and, and just thinking about, you know, really how many people we've impacted, you know, over the years and, and really how many more people we hope to impact in the future. Mm. Yeah, they're great. Um, Gary, during the spring of this year, 2020, uh, the corona pandemic has caused massive lockdowns around the world and healthcare systems have been under huge pressure and are still under pressure in some cases. Uh, and at the same time, the, the demand for medical devices like ventilators uh, boomed for, for uh, some time. How, how have all this affected you and your, uh, your operations uh, and, and and the ability to support customers in, in need during all this during this very strange period in time. Oh, certainly, yeah. So the the Corona pandemic has really affected all of our lives, right, around the globe in one way or another. Uh, it was interesting. In the early days of the pandemic, uh, we had a lot of customers reach out to us directly, um, and again, most of these customers were involved in the manufacture of ventilators. And they were um, in a panic and, and really pleading with us to help support them to correct this global shortage of these life-saving devices. And uh, time was of the essence. Every day counted in, in the fight to save lives. So uh, we were very pleased to be a part of that. And um, I have to say the team of Palm Coast really stepped up, up, stepped up and Worked around the clock weekends to convert equipment and processes and material to, to meet these customer needs. And I'll never forget, actually, uh, getting a call on a Friday evening for a product that normally takes four to six weeks to deliver or manufacture and deliver. And uh, that I gathered the team 
and you know relayed to them what what we needed to do and uh, we discussed how we could get that done in the in the most efficient manner and they just went out and executed in in the highest level in my opinion and i'm just so proud of them um we were actually able to start shipping product by the following Tuesday. So, you know, again, we reduced, yeah, well, you know, lead time from, from a number of weeks to just a, a number of days. So it's um, really, really uh, inspirational. And uh, hmm. I, I think I'd be remiss, actually, just to mention one more thing that um, is interesting. Now that we've gotten into, into the later stages of the pandemic, if you will, um, there's a, another device, and this is one that we'll see in the films that are coming out, and it's a, for a continuous glucose monitor. And it, as it turns out, these continuous glucose monitors are, are very critical for the uh, fight against the coronavirus and, uh, in, so, in a somewhat indirect way. Um, so as you probably hear in the media, uh, people that have underlying diseases like diabetes are at higher risk for severe complications from COVID-19. And these continuous glucose monitors allow remote patient monitoring of blood sugar levels. And so um, as people are quarantining, you know, that are afflicted with the disease, uh, they're able to, to get care um, more remotely from either healthcare professionals or family members and, um, you know, it, because you're able to do that remotely, there's, there's less of a chance to uh, contract the disease uh -huh. yourself. And so, um, you know, these, these devices are now approved in the hospitals for this, this activity and um, are being used on a daily basis. Fantastic. Uh, if, if we, for, for a moment, uh, hope and think that the corona pandemic will disappear, uh, so, so besides that factor, what would you say are the main challenges for staying successful in, in, in your area? Looking forward, I mean, a couple of years. Yes. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, anyway, the, the main challenges really are uh, kind of twofold. It, it's going to be important for us to grow our capabilities and, and to support device manufacturers in the future and, and be one of their trusted partners to be a full solution provider. And so, you know, one of the things that, that we need to do is continue to, to, to look at those gaps that we have in our product offerings and see what we can do to fill those. And actually, uh, we've had an initiative that we've been planning since the beginning of the year that we're now starting to see some, some pieces fall into place and come together. And it's in the area of, of applying uh, specialized extruded polymer coatings to some of these wire-based materials and components. Mm -hmm. uh, traditionally, the flood coating techniques that we use are, you know, they're, they're great, but they do have some limitations. And so this uh, extrusion type operation that we'll now add to our product portfolio should really help in the future. Um, but that's, that's just one, you know, that's just one technique. And there, there are a lot of other gaps that um, we feel we'll need to, to close, you know, over time. And, and we're actively pursuing those today. Um, the other thing I, I think about a lot, though, is, you know, again, we know that this industry is going to change and evolve over time. And we just need to recognize and embrace it because even though it's going to change and grow, um, it will provide us with new opportunities in the future. 
And so it's, it's up to us really to continue to monitor the industry trends and just really to find a way to support the future needs. Mm. And Gary, being situated on the east coast of US, you, you sometimes have another challenge with more weather related. I'm thinking about the recurring hurricanes that we read and see about on TV that comes rolling in to the US coastlines every now and then. How, how do you prepare for, uh, for that? Yeah, it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a, a very important consideration for us. Um, living in a hurricane zone is as you might imagine. And um, of course it raises some anxiety with our customers also from a, from a business contingency planning standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a, a comprehensive hurricane preparation plan in place. And, you know, we always have to think about you know, what's going to happen um, with these storms as far as potential water damage or wind damage. And, and really, um, it's a, these things take days generally to uh, uh, arrive at the coast, and, um, which is a good thing. But at the same time, their, uh, their paths aren't always uh, defined. You know, they, they change. And so there's really a continuous assessment of, of uh, potential storms and potential damage, and and really, you know, um, we need to, to to monitor that to understand uh, what actions we need to take on our side. And um, so we we you know learn every single year, you know, from experiences that we have from the prior year, and we we update our plan accordingly. And as you might imagine, it's important not only to protect the physical facility. Um, but we also need to watch out for our employees too, you know, our, our valued employees. So uh, <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to share actually is this this past year, um, we ended up uh, getting all of our employees signed up on an app for their smartphones. Of course, you know, uh, <clears throat> everyone's on their, their smartphones and mm-hmm. having a, a, spe- a specific app is a great way to to push information out about weather events and what's happening with the plant and, and try to keep our employees as safe as we possibly can. And, and really we've found this app to be helpful even uh, in other um, problematic areas. So for instance, you know, through the, throughout this coronavirus situation, we've been also using oh. the app to push out information. Um, but I, I, the other thing I wanted to share along these lines is, um, you know, we recognize that our customers know we operate in a hurricane zone, and of course, um, they want to be able to get product, you know, this, this very critical product. And, and so one of the other business continuity activities that we're currently uh, working with today is, is planning an expansion to a second site in Tucson, Arizona. And right. I, I, yeah, ironically enough, um, I don't know, I guess it's about seven hours ago, we, we finally... Uh, had the final lease arrangements uh, signed off on, and um, we're in the plans now of of executing, um, <clears throat> you know, that move to Arizona. Uh, it's going to take time, of course, to you know get equipment built and delivered and get operations set up out there. But but our goal is to really be up and functioning by the end of uh, quarter one, twenty twenty one, and so. Uh, you know, we we have lots of interesting initiatives ongoing to support and grow the business, and and we think this expansion to Tucson it will be actually an enabler for growth in the future. 
Okay. So will that make your flexibility bigger if uh, if if the site in in Florida is uh, in a hurricane uh, period, then you can shift a bit to to the Arizona factory or. Yeah, actually, a- absolutely. That's that's the intention. Um, that if we have this this second site up and up and running, that um, depending on you know what's happening in either location, we're able to to uh, flex our manufacturing uh, accordingly. And you know, as you, as you might imagine, even in cases where um, things are are running normally, which we hope is most of the case, um, we can we have added capacity. Mm. Great. So, Gary, on a more personal note, then, when you're not uh, working, uh, what what hobbies uh, do you have, or any special interests, or what you like to do on on the spare time? Yeah. So, you know, my my favorite things to do outside of work are really related to the outdoors and and connecting again with nature. And for me, it's just a great way to relax and recharge at the same time. And so, I enjoy things like hiking and biking, uh, kayaking and fishing, and Actually, um, I was remarried uh, back in February, and uh, my wife and my wife Amy and I spent a, white, a week hiking um, in some of the beautiful slot canyons in Utah and Nevada, and uh, biking along the shores of Lake Mead. So uh, that was a, an exciting adventure for us. And you know, when we're not doing special things like that, we we spend a lot of weekends just kayaking in the canals and the, the tidal rivers in, in the local area here. Mm-hmm. No surfing, no surfing for me. But um, a lot of people do it here. But it's uh, it's something I never mastered. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we still have time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and last question, then, Gary. Any? Uh, do you have any hidden talent that you are uh, able to disclose for us? Well, so so Martin, do you know what a jigster is? A jigster? Uh, nah, I can't say that either. No, not a trick question. Is it a dance or <laughs> no, no, no? I'm kind of kind of kidding here a little bit. Um, so, so people that like to do jigsaw puzzles, um, you know, uh, are jigsaw, are what okay. jigsters are, and you know, it's funny. Um, you know, as you, as you probably know, and I, I think in Sweden, I know in the U.S. anyway, um, doing jigsaw puzzles since the coronavirus hit has become you know popular again for whatever you know because people are at home, and um, you know, for me, it was something I enjoyed doing prior to the pandemic, but. I guess, you know, and I'm not sure if this is really a hidden talent or, or really just a joy for me, um, but it, it's bringing, uh, you know, kind of old, broken down machines back to life, if you will. And um, mm-hmm. it's actually something that um, I think I, I kind of got from my dad. He was a mechanic all of his life, and uh, I just enjoyed my times with him. Um, but I, I'll, I'll just tell you, share a quick story. Uh, had a Recently, an old pressure washer, actually, that, that I haven't used in, oh God, seven to ten years, I think. And um, I, I have projects now where I could really use that. And so I thought, okay, I better pull this thing out and see if I can get it going again. And sure enough, it didn't start. And started, you know, going through the, the troubleshooting process. And, you know, I kind of suspected there was an issue with the fuel system based on what I saw. But you know, it's uh, started looking for some replacement parts. And um, while I was doing that, actually, I was I was driving home from work and I saw that someone was throwing out an, an old lawnmower on the side of the road and got home and uh, told Amy, 
you know, uh, hey, saw this old lawnmower. Um, what do you think? Uh, could you pick it up this afternoon before the, the uh, trash men come and, and take it away? Yeah, she's got a pickup truck, and she's like, sure, you know, I'll go over and get it for you. Let, you know, can't hurt it. At the very least, we can throw it away if, it, you know, if it's no good. And so yeah. she's kind of my pro- partner in crime. But anyway, got it home, and, and sure enough, after a few modifications, um, was able to, to transfer some parts, and uh, pressure washer fired up, so it was on its way. And, uh, yeah, so I just enjoy that. It, it gives me a lot of, um, you know, it's a lot of fun to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, similar to watching the VU medical business grow, having an old machine roar back to life like that is, is just very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. You too. Yeah, thanks a lot for being part of the podcast and sharing your thoughts and, and some giving us some insights in the super important products that you, that you produce at the, at the podcast. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you, Martin. I really appreciate it. Thanks again.